Today's episode is brought to you by Hobolact. We have a super special guest this week on the Quintessential Lacrosse Podcast. Andy Copeland, head coach of the PLL Water Dogs, the champs, joins us fresh off an 11-9 win on Sunday afternoon on ABC. It was a beautiful day. Uh, coach, it was, it was such a hard-fought game, uh, you know, being down on the field. When I last left your team, you guys were cutting down the nets. But take me into the locker room. What was that celebration like, uh, you know, away from the fans when it was just the core of the Water Dogs? I mean, it was it was so rewarding and gratifying for me to see the guys that happy. I mean, I I, I knew we had a special locker room, but then just to to kind of be the last team standing at the end of this thing. I mean, they they did right by signing autographs and kind of staying on the field and just making sure that they were doing right by the fan engagement and all the stuff that's important for the the PLL. But uh, inside the locker room was a ton of fun. I mean, it was just just a celebratory locker room. There was. You know, there was champagne and Pink Whitney and all that stuff that was that was flowing. But the guys just really looked as as happy as I've ever seen them. And that's that's the the, the one takeaway for me. You had your dress 19. You also had a great support from the non-dress players. And I'm sure there's a lot of people who work with you as assistants, trainers, etc., who are involved. But when I think about championships, it's often, you know, you often say, well, next year we'll have a party to celebrate. But the, the reality is you never get those same people in the room together again. What, what did you emphasize the last time you spoke to this group? It, honestly, you pretty much just mentioned exactly what my, my, my pregame speech was. I just I, I just kind of talked about the journey, like who you go through this whole process. To me, that really matters. And who you win a championship with at the end of the day, that really matters. And one of the unique things about pro sports is exactly what you mentioned. You never know between retirements and four rounds of a college draft and now with free agency and moving parts so on and so forth it's uh when you feel like you have the right locker room in place you really want to go ahead and take advantage of every single second that you have with that group and uh and that, that that's really what I talked about and uh again just to this is the first time in my coaching career where I really you know have won kind of conference championships and regular season championships so on and so forth but I've never been part of a team that that was the last group standing. I mean, 99% of the time your season ends in a loss, but uh, this will make for a much nicer off season. That's for sure. You took a Marist team to the NCAA tournament one year. I remember, right? 2001. Uh, that was 2005. And that oh, was five. <laughs> Hopkins was pretty good. I think we, uh, we lost in the first round there 22 to six. And I think that was coach Petro being nice to me, but, uh, but that was a, that was a fun well, run. Well, my, my, my point being, you coach, you coach at Marist, you coach at Fairfield, like you dream of winning a conference championship. You dream about getting into the NCAAs and maybe winning the tournament. How ironic or weird is it that there you are hoisting this professional lacrosse trophy as, as the winning coach? Like who, who would have ever guessed that back in 2005? Yeah, it's a wild I don't know, full circle journey, whatever you want to call it. But uh, but to to. To have now coached at the high school level, the collegiate level, and the professional level, to win at the professional level, um, it just it's it's really, really, really special. It just in a lot of ways it still honestly hasn't even sunk in. But I really just try to appreciate the whole three-year journey and the three-year process. It's been, you know, we're uh yeah, just awfully rewarding. Speaking of threes, you got three kids. Were they in Philadelphia? I know I know they're young, they're what, all under seven or eight years old. Do they, can they comprehend what happened this weekend? Were they part of it? Like, how did you manage that dynamic? Yeah, my wife was there with our two eldest. Our, our little man stayed home with my in-laws and then my sister and her husband and their kids were there. Uh, and then a few other just friends and family. So there were, there were plenty of people kind of in the Copeland camp that were there. Uh, 
but it was awesome. They were on the, they were on the field with us post game and pictures of them with the trophy and, you know, Zach Courier cut down a little piece of the net for them and family pictures and the whole thing. So yeah, I, uh, I'm, I'm not a huge social media person, but I, uh, I, I just posted a little Instagram picture yesterday. Again, same message, just really important who you, who you accomplish this stuff with and who's there to kind of support you along the way. And they've been with me every step. So pretty cool. But yes, to answer your question, I think they, uh, they're the number one water dogs fans, but they also have an appreciation of the fact that we, uh, you know, we won the championship. Your wife deserves some of that net, you know, 16 weeks of this, when you guys play 12 or 13 games every, almost every weekend for the summer. Uh, how, how, how'd she react to, to the championship? <laughs> Sorry. It's funny. You're talking about my kids. Our middle child actually got sent home from school today with a little bit of uh, a fever or something. So that's her down there. But um, my, my wife is, she's, uh, she's a godsend, man. She, she played lacrosse herself down in Chapel Hill and she's a Wilton, Connecticut gal and a Wilton hall of famer. And she's, she's also in the lacrosse world. Her and I both actually coach at the Greenwich country day school. So we're, we're there building those programs from inception. And we have one of those big lacrosse companies that we run together, but she, uh, she is our, our pillar for sure. I, uh, yeah, she's, she's our rock. There's absolutely no doubt about it. At the end of the day, I was thinking about it yesterday, like the three guys to me who made the difference, like Ryan Conrad, Connor Kelly, and Zach Courier. Like the, every team in this league has good attacks. The, the goalie battle, you know, Dylan stood toe-to-toe with Blaze, but like there's very few teams in this league that have Ryan Conrad, Connor Kelly, and Zach Courier. Uh, each have different skill sets, and I thought all three of them played really strong games. Well, well how did you assess the difference in this game? Conrad has proven throughout his career that he he shows up during the biggest moments and this was just another example of that but him walking off the field with a hat trick uh was was awesome to see he's a he's a real deal athlete and I've 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 said it over and over again one of my one of my few regrets uh you know during this PLL tenure was not bringing him out to the bubble in Salt Lake City I just think that was a flat out mistake but he uh he he's awesome and at what, at 25 years old right now, I think he's got a number of years in him here where he can be one of the elite midfielders uh, in the PLL. So I'll start there. Connor Kelly, it's just cool to see him score too. Uh, I don't know if it was the game winner, or I guess the 11th goal, but he uh, he's showed up in big moments, certainly going back to Fairfield against the Chrome where we were down a handful of guys and you know, he scored the game tying and the game winning goal right in his backyard there. That was pretty cool. But he was also the first pick of our expansion draft. So to see that kind of, you know, come to fruition feels pretty good. And then the same thing can be said for Courier. I mean, I just I knew if he made the decision to kind of leave the MLL and kind of enter the PLL entry draft when we were sitting on that first pick, I just I, I just knew deep down that I had to go with him. And, yeah, you know, he just complements our style and who we are so well. So. Those three guys are awesome. I thought all, all three of those guys showed very well. And then, uh, you know, kind of the hometown hero there, Sowers taking home MVP and, you know, putting up three points in front of all his fans. And that was that was pretty cool to see there as well. You made all the right moves. Your defense played up a, a super strong game. Uh, you know, aside from the Matt Reese two, it was, it was a, I mean, anytime you hold a pro team to eight or nine, uh, that's a great day. Prior to the game, coach, like the, the lead up, what, what was your biggest, what was your biggest worry? What was your biggest concern? Was it Sowers health uh, and, and what your options were going to be there or was it something else? 
Uh, it, I mean, it, it was definitely the Sowers health. What was that going to look like? Uh, you know, if he, if he weren't at a hundred percent, he were coming in hobbling a little bit. You try to kind of figure out, all right, how's coach tires going to coach towers going to, going to play this. Do they potentially move the Rowlett matchup from him to McArdle? Do they potentially short stick Sowers and just kind of see if he can go ahead and, you know, what's his health look like and just try to make him a primary ball carrier. So some of that gamesmanship I certainly had on my mind. Uh, you know, I, I think you're obviously concerned about playoff plays. Uh, he's, he's exceptional. And we had, you know, two exceptional goalies out there, which was a pretty fun, you know, kind of battle to, to, to see unfold. And then it was also just, you know, making sure that, I mean, we, we played these guys in week four, which, you know, it's like three months ago, but I'm sure, you know, if you, if you pay attention to, you know, the, the, I don't know, the, the media and some of the narratives that were just out there and, the bandits versus the man myth and these guys having a second chance at, you know, kind of taking a bite out of the Dylan Ward apple and all that kind of stuff. What is that, what is that going to look like when you tie it all into, you know, a championship, a championship game where the emotions are obviously running high. And I think you saw that at times, right. I mean, I don't, I don't want to say yeah. it was bad blood, but it was, you know, there was, it was pretty confrontational. So we knew it was going to be physical and we were just going to have to kind of like keep our cool. And at times I wish we would have done a better job there, frankly, but, um, but you know, it didn't, it didn't like derail us. Like we didn't, we didn't go rogue. We just kind of like stayed within who we have proven to be and, uh, we're able to kind of squeak it out here at the end, but that's a good chaos team. And as I told coach towers post game, like they don't, you, you don't recover from two and eight unless you are got, you got some like real leadership at the helm there. And I, I think coach towers is as good of a leader as I've seen. So give, uh, give those guys all the credit in the world. Yeah, it was it was an incredibly intense game. There was there wasn't a single play that wasn't contested. That the guys didn't battle for every ounce of real estate, every possession, every loose ball, every check. Like the score may have only been eleven to nine, but that game had tons and tons of of small skirmishes and, and great action. You you mentioned Blaze and and did you do you dress that with your team or do they know? And they know they can't take bad shots. Like, how do you, you know, because you don't want to plant seeds that that will lead to, uh, you know, uh, shooters not having confidence or shooters being too fine with their shots. Uh, how did you, when anytime you're playing a great goalie, how, how do you attack that? Yeah, a uh, great question. We we touched on it. You know, one of my things when it comes to shooting is just shoot angry. Like, you don't really want to overthink your shots. Just shoot with good fundamentals and you know, try to get it to an edge and just try to try to put it by the guy. Um, you know, I think if you go back on, on a couple previous games, I thought there were maybe some guys that pulled down shots that they otherwise wouldn't have necessarily pulled down just because of the blaze factor, or there were guys that maybe, you know, exactly what you said, got a little bit too um, kind of cute with their shooting. It just, just in lieu of blaze being in there. And, you know, obviously anytime he makes a clean save, they're really good in the counter attack. So we addressed some of that stuff, but not too, too much of it. I, I give Ryan Brown all the credit in the world during one of the early stoppages. You know, he just kind of, I think this is when Blaze like made the first six saves of the game. And you kind of understand how that can kind of mess with a shooter's mentality and mindset. And Britt Brownie's, you know, Brownie basically brought up Blaze plays indoor. Uh, I guess he's an offensive player and indoor, but he's just so used to the, the, those leaners and kind of like the shoot, shooting nuances that he kind of like reads some of those tendencies maybe better than your typical goalie would be. So, you know, we just talked about uh, maybe getting a little bit more creative there and using a little bit more deception there. And honestly, I think it was right out of that stoppage where 
Brownie set the up pick for CK who ran the right alley and I think kind of got blaze with a leaner. So, you know, it, it was, it, it was interesting. I think um, he, he certainly impacts the game in so many ways uh, and, and you try not to make a big deal of it, but at the end of the day, it's also, it's also real. So we're, we're fortunate that we were able to get to 11, certainly fortunate that we were able to hold that offense to nine, but, uh, but blaze is, is awesome. And as a, we're both Section Five guys, Rochester guys. So when that's I'm right, you're what Pittsburgh, you know, not, and he's uh, yeah. Fairport. That's exactly right. I mean, TD Erland's from up there. Jared Connors yeah. is up there. So it's funny when I when, when I'm not competing against these guys, I uh, I kind of find myself rooting for them just because there's there's some upstate littered all throughout the PLL right now. So that part of it's pretty cool as well. Connor Kelly scored two leaners. Uh, Blaze, I think, got a piece of three of the goals that went in, and that, that uh, is a credit to, as you said, just shoot hard, shoot angry. But I want to talk about Michael Sowers, whose career, you know, we followed really closely at ESPN, obviously, his switch from Princeton to Duke, uh, all the success that he's had, the his his unique style of play, his injuries, his the issues with with injuries, you know, him trying to stay healthy, and and now as a pro to watch him. Uh, I, I thought in the last month, though, he really, really stepped up, uh, especially considering, I mean, he is, he's targeted coach. I mean, he gets, he gets lit up when he goes to the middle and I've seen him be more aggressive now than at any time in his career in terms of just getting to pay dirt, getting top side, getting to the middle of the field. Uh, how would you best describe what you've seen from Michael o- over the course of the season? Well, I, I, I love how you just described him there because I think that's so accurate. And I go back to the Redwoods game. Uh, it, you know, we dropped that game, but their their plan very clearly early on was just to not allow him to walk off the field with five assists, right? So they challenged him to beat you and score some unassisted goals with contact. And I think he walked off the field that day with four unassisted goals and probably ended up on his tail after all four. So to describe him, I would say, uh, combination of just toughness. I'll start there. Athleticism, really high IQ, and uh, and just a great teammate. And I think he would tell you the same thing that Kieran would tell you, which is that both of those guys complement each other so well. And instead of just having one primary ball carrying attackman where the defense can kind of make that guy their focal point, I think when you have that two headed monster there, it kind of takes a little bit of pressure off of off of the other guy at, at, at times. So. Um, Michael's awesome. Kieran's awesome. Those guys, uh, we're going to try to keep them together for another couple years, that's for sure. Fed up with the same old generic lacrosse clothing? Check out Hobo Lights, the new up-and-coming lacrosse streetwear company, making even the dustiest of players look drippier than a chocolate sundae. Visit www.hobolax.com and use code QUINT to get 50% off your first purchase. That's Hobolax, H-O- B-O-L-A-X dot com and the code QUINT, Q-U-I-N-T, all caps, for 15% off your first purchase. So I'm down on the field during warmups. Mikey Slosser is taking the group through calisthenics on crutches, basically. And I asked him, I said, is, is this, you know, your new assignment? He goes, no, I always do this. And you guys were really kind of quiet, I thought, really serious and really focused. And I was worried when you went down 3 nothing and then down 4-1. Uh, I'm guessing that that's the normal tenor of your team at that's at the four, one stage, like what's going on through your head. Is it as simple as, Hey, let's get the next one. Everything's going to be okay. Or I don't like the way this game is being played right now. Let's, let's, let's change some things to, to get this game played to more our style. Like 
what's going through your mind and and what happened at 4-1? Yeah, I, uh, uh, it, it, it's an interesting observation there about our, our, our warm-up kind uh, of, kind of demeanor because I, I actually think we're we're I thought we're, you were much more loose when I saw it Hopkins on, on the yeah, I, I, to, to be honest with you I think that's, that's very what I was comparing it to because when I saw you that day and you guys were like oh and three or whatever I'm like wow this team's having fun they're loose who would guess they're own three and then I saw a contrast to the pregame where it was all serious faces and I'm like this isn't the same team I saw back in on the on the practice field at Hopkins in week two or week three that's that's probably fair. And I mean, look, who knows, maybe I was a little bit guilty of that. I mean, I, I certainly was probably more serious than I than I typically am. But it's just, you know, it's a game. Yeah. Like how many chances do you get to compete in a, yeah. in a you know, pro pro championship game? So maybe uh, maybe things were just a little bit different. I told the guys after the first quarter, I was not I was not completely surprised by how the first quarter went down. Like maybe we gripped our sticks a little bit more. I, I don't even know if it was that. I actually felt like we got some pretty good shots, got a little bit unlucky and just had to kind of get into the flow of the game. I also felt like, you know, we, uh, we took some early shots and possessions that blaze ate up. So then they just found themselves playing, playing more offense uh, yeah. and less defense than we did. So we had to kind of get back to playing complimentary lacrosse and just kind of balance the field there in terms of time of possession. But I also felt like, and this is no disrespect to, to, to Adler at all. I think he's an exceptional face-off guy, but I just felt like we had the advantage in terms of our three person face-off unit. So I felt like if we could just kind of settle in a little bit and just try to chip away, knowing that we, we could, you know, in, in all likelihood, get a few extra possessions there, I felt like we could even it out. And I think that's, that's what happened. I think we, you know, we rattled off some, I think we actually took a lead right at five, four. And then I think they scored five, five to kind of get it to halftime. But, um, you know, people who I think know the water dogs lacrosse club pretty well, like we can, we can score in spurts and we can score pretty quickly. So it was just a matter of us kind of catching one of those windows where we had some momentum behind it and just pushing through. Yeah. I think at four, two, when Sarah scored end of the first quarter, like that, that was, those thoughts were long gone. And then you really controlled the second and third quarters. I mean, you, you, you basically, you dominated play. I think it was a seven, one run or something. It was uh, looking at it right here. It's, it's McCardle, Conrad, McCardle, Byrne tied up at five at halftime and Sowers, Conrad, Conrad. Uh, you take a nine, five lead with uh, Jack Hanna's goal. Like yeah. that was, that was total domination. Uh, and, and ironically it was mostly half court stuff. There wasn't much transition other than maybe that one Ryan Conrad off, off the, uh, off the faceoff. Yeah, that's interesting. I mean, you're, you're right. We got it to nine five. I think everybody probably felt pretty good at that point. And it, you know, sometimes then you, you can, you can almost like over relax and I, you know, maybe that happened and we kind of missed a, missed a transition play. And then Reese obviously bangs the two. And I I've seen so much film on these chaos guys. They just, they have zero quit in them. So I certainly wasn't alarmed by the fact that they, that they came back. Um, and like I, I sat down, I just literally had a bottle of wine with my wife last night and just like rewatched the game as a fan. And it was funny. I'm just I'm sitting there like yelling at the TV, like we, we have a subbing error or we're not hustling in the hole or we give up a dumb goal or we take a stupid shot or something like that. And my wife's like, hey, like you won the thing, like chill out. Right. But it's just it's funny how us coaches are kind of wired. But uh, but yeah, just a just a wild flow to the game and you know, again, kind of, kind of holding on for dear life there. And, you know, kind of the unfortunate couple locked in non-releasables there at the end um, that obviously, you know, played a role in the outcome, but 
you know, look, I mean, Coach Towers wasn't apologizing for getting in the playoffs at two and eight. We're certainly not going to apologize for winning the thing, you know, despite some some extracurricular play. But it was uh, it was a, a physical, entertaining championship lacrosse game. And we're certainly pleased to be on the winning side. Yeah, it was uh, it was like any other no other championship that I've ever covered. Uh, and, and I thought Matt Palin and the referees did a, an outstanding job. I love the fact that they can go back to video and clean some of that stuff up. But what's it like for you when, you know, they, he points at you and says, come on here. And Andy, you and Andy, two, the two Andys are there with with Maddie and you're kind of holding your breath, wait, waiting for a judgment. Like, well, what were those moments like? I mean, Maddie's the best there is. I think we got a great relationship. I'm sure he and Coach Towers have a great relationship. I mean, at one point in the fourth quarter, he literally looks over to me. He goes, Cope, every one of these guys are freaking crazy. Everyone, <laughs> and I, I, I respond to him, I'm like, wouldn't it be nice if everyone could just shut the hell up and let you do your job? And, you know, he, uh, he, he did a great job by just kind of like keeping control of the thing. I think what you said is exactly right. He gets to go back under the booth and just kind of take a good hard look at it. I felt at the end of the day, I really felt like he got, he got every call right, which is ultimately all a coach or a, a team really can ask for. Um, but yeah, certainly, uh, certainly some fireworks for sure. So give him and his crew a whole ton of credit. Yeah, no, I, again, I'll say it. That game had like this warrior mentality to it that it, it, I, it, I was totally engrossed in the game as you were, but it was one of those games I'm watching like, man, I do miss playing. Like this is the type of game you really miss playing in where you're going to get checked so hard. You're going to, your forearms will be bruised and you're going to love every minute of it. And you're going to give it back to the guy. And, and it was just one of those games that I think uh, that I enjoyed for that. Yeah, I, I just think as as like a real competitor, you you like being in those environments. It, it, it's fun. Like no one's given the other guy an inch. Everything is challenged. Uh, everything is physical. You know, there's some there's some words being exchanged and just guys are I mean, it, it was really important to both teams. And that's what championship lacrosse is, is really all about. So Coach Towers loves his locker room. I love my locker room. We both, you know, obviously we're fully invested and fully engaged in the outcome of the game. And um, like, like I said, I just, it, it's one of those, somebody had to win, somebody had to lose, but uh, given the option, I'll, I'll, I'll take this one all day long. So. So the expansion water dogs in what year three, which is really year two, because you had the bubble for two weeks. There was a side of me yesterday. I was jogging and it hit me. I'm like, well, maybe that was an advantage for Andy. Maybe, maybe, the fact that they were an expansion team allowed him to construct a roster uh, to his own liking, as opposed to being given or having to select initially. It, what were the what were the ups and what were the downs of the last three years in terms of building this thing? Did you feel like did you feel like you had a fair shot, or were there moments where you said, "Shit, we can't win in this league"? Like we, we, we don't. Yeah, to, yeah. to be honest with you, I, I think it probably happened a little bit ahead of schedule. And I think uh, I, I think there was maybe some some luck to do with that, too. I mean, I think year one, we had a team filled with unprotected guys. So right. you just you just look at that logically. I mean, it was, it, you know, not to use the term leftovers, but it was who the other coaches, you know, right. didn't really. Pray it is what, yeah, it is what it is. Yeah, so th that was very difficult. I, I think going from year one to year two, uh, I, I guess to give us credit, I thought we made three really good trades for obviously Dylan Ward and then Ryan Brown and Eli Gobrek, all of which were out on the field just yesterday, really like impacting a championship uh, game. So there, but then it was also the same year that, you know, the PLL and the MLL birds. So we did have 
we did have that entry draft, in which case I think we got Liam Burns, Schlosser, and Benny Randall out of. And then I, you know, I think there was, you know what, actually, no, it was, it was the year prior, but that, you know, since the, the, the moves and then that entry draft going from year one to year two, I think totally kind of gave the roster, you know, just a, a little bit of a new look and, uh, and certainly put us in the right direction. And obviously drafting Sowers was shrewd. Jack Hanna was really your only rookie, correct? Yes. Uh, Zach, I mean, Zach Tucci saw some action early in the year. Well, yeah, Tucci we actually grabbed off of waivers. So the two draftees that impacted it were, uh, were Hanna, as you mentioned, and Jake Higgins. And, and then we did not have a first-round draft pick because of the Dylan Ward trade. But, you know, Higgins is a guy who just won the championship at Maryland, and he was – boy, he, he was in nine regular season games this year. And then to be honest with you, I just had a, a hard but honest conversation with him going into the postseason where I just felt like prioritizing experience was really important. And I just, I, I felt like having, you know, one rookie out there instead of two was just, you know, was, was the right play. And at the time, Scarpello had gotten, you know, he was healthy from his kind of rib injury earlier in the year. So just felt like uh, coming off a two game losing streak there in the week nine and week 10, feel like we had to make a subtle change, but also nothing too crazy. And, uh, you know, it just worked out. So we kept it intact. Every PLL roster is going to have a lot of guys who had success, but your roster's got a little bit of a non-blue blood flavor to it. I mean, throw out Sowers and Connor Kelly, Courier at Princeton. You, you, you got, you know, Matt Witcher from York, uh, Marquette, Bellarmine, Ithaca. Uh, you know, like where's Matt Hasek from? He's an RIT guy. Schlosser's from Michigan. There, there's uh, Kieran's from St. John's. There's, there's a little bit of that. Do, do you sense that there's a hunger associated with some of those guys uh, who are still out to to make a name or or to win to win a title? Yeah, I, I think that's fair. I mean, I just look at our captain. I mean, he's 33 years old. Stephen Napoli played at Hofstra. Was a Team USA member in 2018 before tearing his knee. So I, I, I do think there is a little bit of that chip on our shoulder. I mean, look at a guy, Matt Witcher, you know, just in the playoffs scores a goal against the Atlas in the first round scores a huge goal against the whips in the second round. And he's a guy that just, you know, kind of just puts so much work in, but he puts work in, in the shadows, you know, he doesn't really care about front and center and, you know, the TV and the social, like he just doesn't care about that kind of stuff. So I, I think he's totally, uh, he's made of the right stuff. And uh, I, I do think that's, he's kind of just like a microcosm as to our, our entire team. What's next now? Uh, what's what's next for 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 a PLO coach? Uh, obviously, you go back to your real life with 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 your three kids and your and your wife and and your business. And but in terms of the leadership of this group, is it about free agency? Is it about now sitting back and starting to watch some college tape? Uh, do you go back and watch some games from the season to assess potential free agents? Like, how do you handle that? What's the next stage? Yeah, well, so I I, I I honestly I run a high school program down at the Greenwich Country Day School, so I I I, uh, I guess I'm going to transition from you know <laughs> coaching pro athletes to high school athletes, but I want to make sure those guys obviously get my best, so I'll uh, I'll do that, and then I guess when it comes to the PLL, it's you know just let this whole thing sink in and digest, kind of figure out like you know who may be stepping away, who may be looking to come back. At the end of the day, I think we're fortunate that a lot of our guys were signed to to two-year contracts. I mean, the two that I really want to try to retain right now that are on one years are Kieran McArdle and Dylan Ward. Uh, I think the positive with, with winning and also just winning with a great locker room is I think people want to continue to be a part of it. Or maybe you look externally at people who may be unhappy in their current situation and you just see, see what's out there. I mean, this is, this has always been a very collaborative thing. So I'm sure we'll do maybe like a team celebratory zoom just to kind of see everybody's faces again and 
then I'll spend some time on the phone and just get a sense for what guys are thinking. But, uh, but yeah, I, uh, it, you know, you, you know how I feel about our roster right now. So I don't, I, I'm, I'm fortunate to not be in a position where I feel like I got to really blow things up. It's just kind of, if there's a slight adjustment enhancement that you can maybe make or somebody that you could kind of had your eye on, you know, peripherally, maybe you just, you know, throw out a line and see if there's any interest, but that'll, that'll kind of be the gist of it. But again, the PLO has their whole calendar in place here. So I don't think any of that stuff is going to go down for a little bit of time. No, you get to, you get to enjoy this. Uh, the bar still folks, I'm sure you'll be appearing on multiple talk shows over the next couple of weeks. Oh, geez. I don't know about that. I hope not. <laughs> but that's been fun, too. It's been a crazy dynamic and one that I uh, I remember when they asked me to do this and you had the, you know, the Barstool affiliation. And you kind of knew how, I guess, important it was just for the league and their brand and their visibility and the whole thing. And, you know, I'd be lying if I didn't, you know, just obviously I put enough pressure on myself, but there's also a little bit of pressure, too. You want to feel like you're helping the bigger picture of the PLL with their whole audience and all that stuff. But to be able to to do it and, you know, kind of make sure that our, our owners are, are, are pleased in the process. Uh, it, it's, it's, yeah, like I said, it's a, it's an awesome feeling. No, that's, that's, I, I love that angle. I, 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 because anytime that the stakes are, are raised, anytime there's more people, you're playing for a reason, you're playing for a cause or people who care. There's a whole nother, uh, you know, we bar stools reaching out to new lacrosse fans and creating water dog fans across the country who may not, have even heard of this product. I mean, that is just so fabulous to think that, that uh, you guys have had that kind of impact on, on growing the game and getting more people, uh, you know, get more people to wear the purple and, and getting their eyes on the game. That that's terrific stuff. Well, I, I appreciate that Quinn. You, you, you probably, you probably felt a little bit of that just at the championship game too. Absolutely. Felt like there was a pretty favorable water dogs crowd and that, uh, that's a cool thing. I mean, I know even just with the MLL, they had their home cities. There was some kind of community engagement in that part, you know, this with the, with the tour based model, it's more so just how do you, how do you build your team community kind of externally? And we doing it kind of through Barstool and leaning on those guys, but being super appreciative of the relationship and the impact that they can have. And honestly, that that's kind of how, how I'm wired too. Like I just, I, I, I love competing. I love coaching. I love being a part of this, but I, I think I have good perspective as to the big picture and, you know, the, the water dogs winning this thing and there being three different champions in four years, like that's a really good thing for the PLL and for the future of the PLL. So fun to fun to be part of it. Congratulations. Uh, you know, selfishly, I, I had the most incredible summer. You and the rest of the coaches were, were unbelievable to deal with. Uh, open, honest. You, you, you let us in. Uh, I learned so much. The players were incredible. Uh, their effort. I mean, just from that first game being down up in Albany and, and watching these guys go at it, the skill level, uh, they're just gentlemen to deal with their, their stories and their play really pushed this thing forward. But, but your, your, you know, your leadership and the other coaches and guys like Seth Tierney and Paul Rabel and Mike and Rachel, uh, it just, uh, I, I couldn't be more encouraged, uh, after my, really my first summer with, with the PLL. Uh, that's great to hear you say I just I, I feel like water dog specific we got the right people on the bus but between Mike and Paul and what they've done just in terms of assembling their team they've gotten the right people on the bus too and I feel the exact same way uh, and just again right back at you in terms of the impact you've had on the sport and everything that you've done and our relationship I appreciate you a whole lot man coach Copeland congratulations man uh, who, who would have thought you did a great job it was uh, it was thrilling for me to be like standing next to you when you were making those key timeouts and in those huddles. It was, it was really, it was really neat. Uh, I, I enjoyed it immensely. 
Uh, and I want to tell the fans again, if you haven't watched a championship game or any of the PLL games this summer, they're on ESPN Plus. They're archived there. You're a young player. You're a, a young fan. You happen to be watching the NFL on Sunday. Please go to ESPN Plus. Log on. It's Water Dogs and Chaos uh, on Sunday uh, under the bridge in Chester, PA. Thanks, Quinn. Take care of yourself. Thanks, Coach.